to hear the music and you know I never thought I'd have church where I would be nobody in the congregation except for some pictures and a few people but uh, the most important thing to remember is that uh, we are never alone Jesus said I'll be with you always to the very end and he promised that where two or three are gathered that I'm going to be in the midst and right in the middle of it so uh, the most important person to have in church today is here and he's in every church where people worship and, and observe the truth of God's word. We've been preaching and presenting some messages on hope. And last week we talked about the hope of the resurrection. Today I want to talk about the hope of Christ's return. In 1879, the greatest annual loss of life in the England fisheries occurred. 29 vessels were lost and 249 fishermen were lost at sea. During that time, many women found themselves on lonely widow walks with the eye on the horizon, hoping for the return of their loved one. The widow's walk, or the roof walk, is a railed platform on top of a building, typically on a coastal house that originally was designed to observe vessels at the sea. The name comes from the wives of mariners who would watch for their spouses to return. In some instances, the ocean took the lives of mariners, leaving the women as widows, who would often thereafter gaze out into the sea, wishing beyond hope that their loved ones would return home, and hence the name of the widow walk, widow's walk was born. When I think of this, I think and remind myself of the profound truth that Paul relates to the Thessalonians. As part of our living as a lighthouse in this world, we, it encourages us to keep an eye on the horizon, to be watching for the return of our Lord and our Savior. We need to look in hope that the greatest need for the world today will one day be answered when Jesus comes back and all the problems and all the challenges will be washed away by the Lord's presence when he becomes the king of the universe again. Clearly, the believers should, every believer should have their eye upon the sky. Hey, do you know this? Jesus is coming to earth again. Now, and we like to say that, but the next line is great hope. What if it were today? Wouldn't it be a strange thing if, if all this had happened and all of a sudden Jesus says, this is the perfect time for me to come back. In fact, is there not a perfect time? That any day he wants to come, he can come. We say we believe that Jesus is returning, but what do we know about it? We don't know enough about it, what the Bible says. The very next thing, according to the Bible, on God's plan for the ages is the return of Jesus to the world. And today's text that I'm going to read in just a minute reveals some basic truths about the hope of Christ's return. And we sing the song we sing, we've been singing so long ago. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be when Jesus comes again. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if you have your scripture with you as you're watching at home and those in this room can worship center worship with us, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, meaning those who died, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. In other words, their spirits will be reunited with their bodies. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, underline this, we will always be with the Lord. He's coming back and will never be departed from him. 
He's coming, we'll be with the Lord. And then the last thing that the Apostle Paul says, therefore comfort or therefore encourage one another with these words. I want to share with you a few principles about this text that I think we all need to get. And you can take some quick notes if you want to. But the first point is this. When you break down this scripture, we see that there's a great hope in this truth. Jesus will return for his people. And he's returning for people that are part of his family. And I would say this, he's coming to rescue his followers to make sure, if you're listening to this, that you know for sure beyond a shadow of doubt that you have surrendered your heart and your life for Jesus Christ. If you have, when he comes back, he's going to come for you to go to the upper taker. And if those who went to the, by the way, the undertaker, he's going to get them too. He's going to get us all. The Bible says those who are still alive will be rescued from judgment. And the rescued followers of Jesus will be rescued from several things when you look in the larger portion of Scripture, particularly in Revelation. Those who are rescued when Jesus comes back, and I think we should get a great amen for this, will be rescued from Satan. Could it be Satan? And you don't know exactly how much influence he has. One day when we get to heaven, we'll look at all those tragedies, all those challenges, all those temptations, to realize they were satanic in their influence. And the Bible says that we'll be rescued when Jesus comes back from Satan. From, from Satan. Revelation 20.10 says this, the devil and the deceiver will be thrown in the fire. You know, when Jesus was here, he was tempted and troubled by Satan. And we sing that childhood song, Get thee behind me, Satan, get thee away. And we learn that from the truth of Jesus, because Jesus told Satan when he was tempted by Satan, You get behind me. Get behind me. And this final episode between Satan and the Savior is going to end in Satan's demise. God is going to put an end to satanic influence. Secondly, we're going to be rescued. When Jesus comes back for us as his people, we'll be rescued from sorrow. I can't imagine how many people have been crying lately. Uh, I'm sure that we need a lot of tissues out there, a lot of tears out there. And there are a lot of reasons to cry in our world right now. But we can be happy with this truth, that one day, one day, Jesus will wipe away every tear. And, and I think that's a great hope. The hand of Jesus touching the tears, saying, no more tears. Wouldn't it be great to think about, can you even imagine what life would be like when there's nobody crying. Around our world today, people are probably crying right now, their hearts out over issues going on. But one day Jesus will say, enough, enough. No more tears. We'll be rescued not only from Satan, rescued not only from sorrow, we'll be rescued from sin. I don't know if you realize this, we live in a very sinful world. The way people act, the things they do, the way they speak and the way they live, and the lack of morality, one day, sin will be over. And I don't know if you know this, but when you look at the issue of sin, the greatest enemy to mankind, and, and I'm not making light of the coronavirus, the greatest enemy to mankind, the greatest issue is that we have a sin nature. And the number one reason people die is not from some sickness and not from some, some disease. It's from sin sickness. And the Bible says that one day Jesus will come back and say, I'm going to rescue this. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 27, nothing, follow this, profane will enter heaven. There's coming a day where there's a wonderful place to go. And God knows his people. And Jesus clearly says that I'm going to, I want you to have this hope. I'm coming back for you. Uh, I'll be back. I'm coming back. God knows his people. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this, The foundation of the Lord stands sure. 
The Lord knows those are his. I can't look at people, you can't look at people and know if they belong to Jesus, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows your heart. He knows if you're spiritually right. And so I would say this to encourage all of us in this room and listening. Jesus is coming back for his family. Make sure you're part of the family. There's plenty of room in the family of God. Somebody said once that we're stuck on an island called Earth, floating in a sea called space. Here we are, wandering around this universe, this great universe. And were it not for the loving grace of God, we would be on earth, we'd be earthbound people, unable to escape the destiny of destruction and the death that follows that. But when Jesus came, and when he comes back, he taught us this, listen to this. He taught us, folks, there is another land. There is another time. There is another place, and that place is called heaven. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to be a good preacher and be a good miracle worker. He came to take you to heaven. And if you accept him, he'll do just that. And no matter if you're living when he comes back or if you get buried in the grave or however you get away from him, I want you to know this, that he's coming back and he'll open the door of heaven for you. He promises to rescue us from heaven. I've thought about uh, how it must have been for uh, the Apostle John as he was on the Isle of Patmos all alone there and just display, just I mean he was nobody's coming for him and if he were to be the castaway story on the desert islands and Tom Hanks remember that story I mean he kept looking and hoping that somebody come and nobody came finally he made his way out but he kept looking and hoping for some and no one came I want you to know we should not feel like that God's not coming he is coming yes he is and so when John was on the Isle of Patmos he could have looked around and says, I have no hope on this island. I have no hope in my body going to keep me alive. I have no hope that anybody's going to come for me. But I do have hope. And he says this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And I, I just think that this is a sign what we're going through. We should reinvestigate. We would be unwise not to reinvestigate that one day Jesus is going to come back. Could it be today? Could it be that? Could it be during this season? Could we be seeing the signs of the end times? Jesus also comes back not only to, to rescue us personally, but uh, rescue us as people. He came to rescue us and, and return for us personally. He came himself. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself will, be, will descend from heaven. Look, he's coming. That's who we're looking for. We're not looking for a great political leader. They made that mistake the first time he came. When he comes back, we're looking for somebody to save us. And we do need to be saved, not just from our sin. We need to be saved from our situation. We need to be saved from the environment. We need to be saved. For the Lord himself, the Bible says, will descend from heaven. He's going to drop down from heaven. And how does he come back? And how does he, how does he descend personally? Well, when you look and invest, investigate this, what the Bible is teaching here, that he's going to come, when he comes personally, he's coming as Lord. I had somebody stop by my house the other day, and they said, well, is Jesus coming back? And I said, I don't know. And they said, yeah, but he's coming back when he does. He's coming back large and in charge. He's coming back. And listen, before he came meekly, this next time he's coming to judge. The old song, here comes the judge. He's coming back to rescue us and judge everybody else. He's going to judge the sin of believers and the fact that many people refuse to accept him. And all those people who made fun of Jesus Christ are going to wish they hadn't done it when Jesus comes back personally. When they see him, they say, oh, I made a big mistake now. I made a big mistake. The first coming, he came as a gentle baby. The second coming, he comes as a powerful Lord. 
He returns, Lord, uh, Lord. He's the one in charge. And all who see him will be his subjects. We'll all bend, bow to him. And the Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Every eye will see him, will see him including those who pierced him. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to be those people who condemned Jesus, to, to look forward to eternity and realize, I'm the one who rejected him. I'm the one that crucified him. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, that when Jesus comes back, there's a great thing that's going to happen. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess this truth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And for all the doubters out there, we need to say, get past your doubt and come to the land of discovery and realize that one day Jesus, your Lord, is coming. Be ready for him. He'll come as Lord. He'll come as himself. The Bible says, for the Lord himself comes. Hey, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when he appears, we will be like him, as he, be like him because we'll see him as he is. He's coming not in disguise. Hey, before, it was really maybe hard for people to say, a baby in a manger? How, this guy's going to save the world? A person dying on the cross? But when he comes back for, for sure, for the last time, when he comes back, we will know he will not be in disguise. He'll say, I'm coming back as boss. I'm coming back as Lord. In fact, the true meaning of accepting Jesus as Lord means this. Have you accepted Jesus as the boss of your life? Because one day he's going to be your boss. He's going to be one in charge. And you better bow your knee now so you won't be disciplined by him then. The Bible teaches this. First Thessalonians says this in verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, God's son from heaven, to, who will rescue us from the wrath that's coming. There is only one future, and that is to be rescued by Jesus. He will come not only as Lord, he'll come not only as himself, he'll come in the air victorious. The Bible says he'll descend from heaven. I don't know how that works. If you're afraid of flying, you're going to have to get over it. When the rapture happens, because, you know, I'm afraid of heights. I, I guess we lose that miraculously. Then, but I, I, I'm thinking about that. But he's going to descend from heaven in the air and in the clouds. And, and so we think how different this is than the first coming. Uh, the original coming, he came meekly. And the original coming, he came to be hung above the ground on a cruel cross. But when he comes back, he'll be suspended on nothing because he can stand on nothing, ex nihilo, without anything. He doesn't need anything to keep him up. He doesn't need anything to float around and do what he wants to do. He comes because of his own power. He has the power to do what humans cannot do, what religion cannot do. He's going to be above all and in all. When, when I was growing up, I, I, if you were in the congregation, there are nine people here. I always like to tell this story. You can say this at home. I played for the Dallas Cowboys. Pee-wee, pee-wee. Over in Dallas. And my, my dad sometimes would stay at practice. practice. It lasted about two hours. Sometimes he would go. We were at Beckley Center, Recreation Center, that little football field there. And he would go and he'd say, I'll be back. And, and on one occasion, he gave me some money. He says, I'll be back and you're going to be hungry. So he gave me some money. And uh, he said, this is for your supper because we're going to go home and eat supper. And you go ahead and get you a hamburger at this little restaurant, restaurant off of Beckley. So, man, I couldn't wait to practice over. I got a Dr. Pepper. I got, I got French fries and ketchup and a hamburger with cheese on it. I was in heaven. I had my, my meal, and I, I was through in about two seconds. I ate really fast like I talked, and I, I was through. And I went out to the curb with my Dr. Pepper. Uh, it was in a humdinger cup. I remember that. You remember those humdinger cups? It was in a humdinger cup. And I sat there on the curb waiting for my dad. I wasn't waiting for anyone else. No one else had the right to get me. And I kept waiting. 
I play these games that you play. Uh, my dad will come when I count 12 more cars. One, two, twelve. He didn't come. I said, my dad would come when I call, see three red cars. Three red. And I said, my dad would come back. This was easy, easier back then. My dad would come when I see six Volkswagen bugs. I saw the sixth one. And, and, and divinely speaking, this happened. After the sixth one came by there, my dad drives up in our 59 Chevrolet station wagon. But I want you to know, no one had the right to come for me except for my father. And no one has the power and the right to come for you except for your Lord Jesus Christ, the Father in heaven, and he will come get you. Listen, we need to focus on that. There is coming a day where Jesus is going to come for you. Be ready. Max Lucado says that we need to focus on Jesus. And the modern religion, modern people's relationship are focusing on so much less. Listen, there is one thing we need to focus on. My Lord and my Savior is personally coming back for me. You need to say that in your heart right now if you're at home. My Lord and my Savior is personally coming back for me. He may come for you while you're still alive, but if you die, my Lord and my Savior is personally coming back for me. May you be ready. He will come personally, and he'll come in great power. This great hope. The dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus is the only one that can cure death. I have a lot of assignments, and at my, my peak year, well, a few years ago, I, I spoke at 50 funerals in one year. There are a lot of people dying, and only Jesus speaks to death. A lot of people tell how to die, how to be buried, how to get medical help, but only Jesus says how to have hope beyond death. Only Jesus answers that question. There's some powerful things that happen when Jesus comes back to rescue us in his great power. And the first is, he's going to come back to release believers from the dead. The graves of every believer will be open. Think about that. All those graves. You know, I've been around digging graves, and, and, uh, and uh, I was at one funeral some time ago, and a friend of mine said, uh, Pastor Jerry's kind of wet by the funeral burial, and I want you to stand close to the grave because it's real slippery. Don't let people get near. And his name was Tom, and he fell in. And... Uh, I reached down to get him out of the grave. And I pulled him up. I was a little stronger than I am now. My shoulders are in better shape. I pulled Tom out. And he said, Jerry, I'm ready to go. I'm just not ready to go now. Sometime later, he called me from the hospital and said, Jerry, I'm sick. And they say I'm dying. You remember what I told you when I fell into the grave? I said, I do, Tom. He said, what did I say? I said, you said, Jerry, I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to go now. And I held his hand just before he died. And he said, Jerry, I'm ready to go now. There is only one person that can make you ready to go now. And that's a returning Jesus who comes with power to defeat death. What a sight. He comes and releases. Think about this. I'm not sure what will happen. Six feet of dirt will be rolled back like a blanket. I'm not sure if we will be blown away like a bright, bright, bright blower, you know. But I know this, that one day Jesus is going to say, no dirt, no casket is going to hold a child of mine. They're part of my family. He'll open it up. Secondly, he'll come not only to release the dead, he'll come to raise all believers. You know, when you think of uh, believers who are living, one day he's going to come back and we'll rescue us. And, and I don't know what somebody said to me, what do you think we'll sing as we're going up in the sky? There's only one sing, song to sing, Jerry. Only one song to sing, congregation. I'll fly away, oh glory. 
One day, you'll fly. Somebody said that intelligent people dream they can fly. So if you're out there, raise your hand if you dream you can fly, because I'm raising mine. I dream I can fly. So all the intelligent people. But let me say this. People that are saved can fly. I'll fly away, oh glory. The power to raise all believers. The Bible says this happens since we believe in him. Thirdly, he has power to renew believers. I like this because uh, God is a great change agent. People don't like to change. Let me say this. When Jesus comes back, after he's resurrected and returning, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. One day, he will change you in a twinkling of eye. The Lord Jesus returns a thief in the night, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We said we need to be sure we focus on him. Max Licato, in article I read, Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus, based on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says, says it like this. There are times when we see, and times when we see. I thought, that was weird. He said, for example, there are times we see a boat for sale. There are times when we see a new suit. The times we see a new car. We're obsessed with seeing our, uh, the, 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 the needs of things. But he said, let's lay all aside that just for a moment. And ask yourself this question. Can I see Jesus as part of my life? Have there are times when we see, there are times we really see. Do you really see Jesus in your life? Do you see him as coming for you? And focus on him. He gave examples. The shepherds saw angels. That wasn't enough. They said, no. That's not, we got to keep going. We want to make a trip to see the real thing. We want to see some lower level. We want to see the king of kings. We don't want to see an angel. We want to see the king. Not only that, Simeon waited for a long time to hold Jesus in his arms. It wasn't enough to see the promise. He says, I want to hold him in my arms. Now that I've held you in my arms, my life will never be the same. And neither were yours. And then the Magi, it wasn't enough for them to see the light of Bethlehem. They wanted to see the light of Bethlehem. So do you see? Here's the promise. One day, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, we will see him face to face. Focus on that. And so as we think about these challenging, changing times, the great focus is not just on the virus. The great focus is just not on our economy. Our greatest need to focus today is focus on Jesus. As the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So what's the lesson? What's the takeaway? Three things. When you think of the end of the world and the return of Jesus Christ, three things we need based on this chapter. Number one, be informed. Don't be caught off guard. Number two, be prepared. Be a believer. And number three, Know how to be comforted and know how to comfort. The great hope of our future is not in the resurgence of our economy. It's the return of our Savior and Him being the Lord of our lives. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we pray together to ask you to bless this reading and this truth to our life, as we share together what you're doing in our life, what you're doing for us, we ask you to bless us and keep us in your will. Help us to see that we are looking forward to a returning Savior, and He will return for us. 
So we look at this, and a lot of questions are asked about the environment right now, the world we're living in. And a lot of questions are asked by people about spiritual future. And this is the answer we talk about. Make sure we write it down. Everybody hears it. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Read those verses, verse 13 through 16. Read those verses over and over again to find your peace in Jesus Christ. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brian's going to come share a few announcements, and then we'll come back.